We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've managed to get to the end of the first week of electioneering without tearing our collective hair out, throwing cups at the television or banning anyone from the voting process. We have had, however, a few resignations, a few more selections and deselections and a reasonable number of defections as well. Today, it's all about the money, though. The Labour Party is promising to launch a 1970s-style spending spree that could see a Jeremy Corbyn-style government splashing out £55 billion. That's right. 55 billion quid on schools, hospitals and infrastructure. Meanwhile, Sajid Javid was locking himself in to spending over £20 billion for the Tories. It's all about investment in the future, they both say, but the truth is far different. It's actually about borrowing massive sums of money and not worrying about paying it back. Are you being bought off by these promises or have we reached a point where we simply can't trust the word that any politician says, no matter which party they happen to be saying it from? 0344 499 We want to hear from you this morning because your voices are the most important in this entire process and this is one of the few places to get your voices heard properly. You're going to vote on December the 12th in what could be one of the most important elections this country has ever seen because the end result of it will determine whether we leave the European Union very quickly or probably not at all. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We want to hear from you today because this is the end of the first week of campaigning and we want to know what you've made of it all so far and whether you've changed your mind about any particular part of it. Coming up first though this morning we're going to go up north to find out just how bad the flooding is going to get before someone somewhere wakes up to the need to change the environment and the regulations before some of the uh, towns are swept into the sea. Have no doubt about this. This is nothing to do with climate change. This is everything to do with bad management, bad planning, building in the wrong places and making water routes into places where it never used to go. That's the reason it's all happening. Rotherham, Sheffield, towns in Yorkshire underwater, absolutely shocking. Nottinghamshire as well. Uh, it's all over the place. The weather's dreadful, but it doesn't have to be flooded. Trust me. And because it's Friday, of course, we're going to have another sparkling edition of the Perry Awards. And the good news is, Con's not here. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, if you're watching uh, any of the television news programmes at the moment while uh, listening to the radio, which some people do, you're perfectly allowed to do that, as long as you keep the, uh, the volume down on the TV and you listen to talk radio, you'll be seeing some terrible scenes of flooding, uh, of roads being completely underwater, rivers bursting their banks, you know, houses completely flooded out. I've been on the unfortunate receiving end of flooding, so I speak from very, very personal experience when I say there can be probably nothing worse than can happen to you uh, as a homeowner than to have your house actually flooded out because you lose everything. Sometimes you get flooded more than once a week. Sometimes you get flooded several times in a year if you happen to live in one of the places where floodwaters now reach. We're already hearing from some of the reporters up in the uh, uh, parts of Rotherham and Sheffield where there's some very bad flooding at the moment that many of the previous flooding barriers that have been put up have now been breached because there's more water now than there was last time. Let's talk to Jim Dale, Senior Meteorologist at British Weather uh, Service because he knows a little bit about what I'm about to ask him about. Jim, a very good morning to you. Welcome. 
Yeah, good morning, Mike. Seems morning. like there's a lot of evacuations being ordered at the moment. The floodwaters may recede because if it doesn't actually continue to rain, then, then that does happen. But, I mean, I've unfortunately learned a lot more about flooding than I ever thought I would because my house was flooded in Wiltshire um, yeah. in, in the very bad years around sort of... I guess it would have been around about sort of late 90s or something like that um, when we had really, really bad flooding in October and November and December. And yeah, I the, remember the, that one. The yeah. rainfall was, was particularly bad, but an awful lot of the places that got flooded where I was in the West Country got flooded for the first time because of building that had been put onto places where water used to go and where it could no longer go. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, this is the sort of thing we were saying 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I remember as a, a younger man, a much younger man, uh, looking at... I know you mentioned climate change is not necessarily being a factor. It probably is a factor in terms of the uh, the volumes that we're now talking about. More energy, more heat in the air means more rainfall. It's as simple as that. And, and or more snowfall, by the way, as we, as we go into to wintertime. But you're right. It's really this... this, this you mentioned bad planning... Um, I think that's part of the equation. Um, I think putting things in the wrong place. What will flood will flood. And yes. it will continue to, to flood. And, okay, you might get away with it for a decade or two, and then it comes back. Or you might get away with it for six months, and then it comes back. Or you might get away with it for a couple of days, and it comes back. Yes. And that is the map of the future absolutely the case and so and this is the thing i mean when we talk about i mean we have conversations all the time about the housing shortage in this country how we need to build yeah. more houses and this is precisely the kind of thing we should be talking about when building new houses and saying to each other all right where are you going to put these new houses how is the yeah, drain I, I, how is the drainage for those houses going to work you yeah, know where's I, it all going to go I, yeah, I accept that. And do you know what? The last thing we want to be doing is, is building around um, either sea, coastal areas or river areas. Um, those, those, those sort of places are, are virtual no-goes nowadays. Um, we've got to look higher. Uh, we've got to go to the... I mean, the, the places that have been flooded in, in the last uh, 24, 36 hours, um, those places are in and around high ground, the Peak District, uh, the Southern Pennines, these sort of areas, uh, Greater Manchester, sort of, you know, there's high ground there. OK, it looks inhospitable, some of it, you know, and, and I fully admit that. But we've got to think slightly out of the box and we've got to sort of, sort of select places... And I know there's going to be an argument about green this and green that and all the rest of it, but if we've got to build houses, then they can't be on these previously flooded brown lands and, and, and river catchment areas. No. It will just repeat the action and, and inevitably go back to climate change. Inevitably, with that, that will only be exasperated as, as time moves on into the future. So, you know, this was seen a long time ago and... and the repercussions of this are now making themselves known over these last couple of three decades, yeah. and that will then continue on. And when these decisions were made, Jim, presumably they were made with people on one side arguing what you're arguing, that, you know, you must be careful exactly where you build, because if you build on places where water used to go, which used to flood because there was nothing there, then it will continue to flood, or the water will go somewhere else and flood a different part of the of the locality. And so yeah, presumably they, they didn't take the advice, and they should yeah, go it's anyway. Very easy, it's very easy to put your, 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 your fingers in your ears and close your eyes, isn't it? Um, you know, this will not happen, or yeah. we'll build a wall. I mean... I, We'll build a wall that will keep it out mm. until until the river rises high enough to to go over that particular wall. Then yeah. going to build it higher and higher and higher. And that's that's the sort of scenario that we're in. We're in a it's it's almost like a, a catch twenty two and a, a no win situation. But you, what you have to do is you have to think with your with your brain uh, rather than your back pocket yes. or other other things. And and. You know, it really needs to sit down. It really needs to think about um, not just it's, the 
problem is, you see, is we're in it now. It's not just a case of, oh, we'll, we'll close the door on that one and that's going to be OK because we're now going to put houses here or there. The fact remains is that we've got several towns, cities, villages in this country that are on the, the sort of areas that we're talking about. And dare I say it, even with the flood barrier on the Thames and I think, but the Thames, the Thames as well as places um, like New York and other places, these are all susceptible yes. for a future climate change. So, you know, it's not a safe world we're living in at this moment in time, to say the least, climate, climate speaking. Yeah, but what we need, uh, I have to say, Jim, is not a load of people flapping about from Extinction Rebellion, gluing themselves to tube trains. What we need is some uh, proper political leaders who have seen what can happen and who can actually plan properly for the future yeah, and, ensure, I, I, and ensure that the environments in which we live are safe because it's not rocket yeah. science, I have to tell you. Yeah. And I mean, I can yeah. say when my house got flooded, um, it was there was torrential rain, that's correct. However, uh, it was only the whole village that got flooded after the result of some fields that were ploughed by a farmer, right? Because until the, the fields were ploughed, the fields had been full of sort of fairly tall growing grass and horses used to be in the fields and the grass would grow up to about four or five feet high yeah, yeah. And, it would, and it would soak up all the water, basically. The next thing you know, this guy's ploughed the field and the water ran yeah. off as if it was cement, you know? And it's a bit like taking trees off the side of a, of a mountain or yeah. a hill and then you suddenly get landslides and this and that and all the rest of it. Right. So, you know, this comes back to the thinking exercise, doesn't it? It comes back to that very basic education. You know, one thing I will say, I, I'm actually writing a book called Whether or Not. It'll be out in July. We'll talk about it in the future. Yes, it we covers must do. these areas. Yes. It really covers these areas and, and more and more. But do you know what? Do you know what this comes down to, the basic level? It does come down to education. There's a chapter on it it's called... Believe it or not, education, education, education. Well, mm -hmm. this is absolutely the sort of thing that schools, universities, colleges, all the way up, should be taken on board. Why? Because you mentioned Brexit as being the, the biggest, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the biggest uh, subject of the, of the election, if you like. Mm. Um, I actually believe it's not. I, I, I believe it's climate change because in the future, and I'm not talking now 100 years on, I'm talking now 10 years, 20 years, in our lifetimes, if you like, that, that uh, these sort of things, these, 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 these impacts becoming more and more and more apparent, and they will, they, will, they will overtake anything that we've got in politics, if you like, general politics, anything. And, and so yeah, but we the, climate, the climate's not changing, Jim, to the, to the point that we have to be fearful of what the conditions in which we live are going to become. It just needs a little bit of common sense from some well, of the politicians. I mean, apart from anything else, if the schools stop giving the kids time off so they go on climate strike and actually taught them a few things, maybe we'd be better off. Well, you know, there's, there's, we're all entitled to protest in, in our various ways. No, I don't think children are entitled yeah. to protest, not when they're supposed yeah, to be yeah. at school. I don't believe that. Well... No. OK, OK, look, you know, people have their ways of doing things, children, adults and all the rest of it. What I can say is, is absolute, and this is it, and, and that is governments, present and past, uh, have done not a lot in terms of this country and of also other countries. In fact, some other countries are going backwards rather than forwards in terms of what actions they should be taking. And I'm talking about thinking actions, not necessarily, uh, you know, striking or anything of that nature. I'm talking now about these... these uh, you know, what do we have in this country where, where you, you, 
they, they come up with this, uh, the government come up and they, they all meet when there's some sort of emergency. There's a name for it. I can't quite remember what it is, but you know what I'm saying. Cobra, I think it's called, isn't it? Well, do you oh, know well, what you mean when the cabinet meets for emergencies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah but for a tea and biscuits and then they go home and all the rest of it. Well, well I, you think know that's, what? I think that's slightly unkind. I mean, I don't often find myself defending politicians, Jim, but I mean, Cobra do, so, do do some quite <laughs> interesting things, I have to say. Yeah, OK. I'm, I'm slightly tongue-in-cheek about it. But what I'm basically saying is, look, uh, climate and weather and everything else that goes with it should be part of that equation. It should really... I think they've actually met in the past when we've had weather, weather events. That should become more of a more of a uh, an occasion, if you like, you know, not just a when something happens, but what's next, how do we yes, do no, this? Yes, no, I totally agree. And now's a perfect time. But, but what I you want know, to know, Jim, is I don't want to, to know from them, you know, how we're going to make the, the world carbon neutral and all this nonsense, right? What I want to know is how they're going to stop places like Sheffield and Doncaster from flooding. That's all. And that's a basic job. It's got nothing to do with predicting the future. It's got yeah, nothing to do well, with pretending that we're going to know how much rain yeah, is going to fall. It's about, it's about channeling the water. Yeah. It's a simple engineering job, isn't it? I, I think it's much more than that. I think the problem is, is that these, these locations, they've been there for centuries. Um, they ain't going to move very quickly. It's not a case of, you know, picking up the, your sticks from a city or a big town and moving it to another place. That cannot happen. And you can't... You know, you, you, I mentioned you can you can build walls, but how hard do you want them to be before? No, before the, the walls next are. Thing I can tell you from from what I know that walls are not the answer. I can tell you what they did in Berkshire, much to the uh, um, annoyance of the residents of a, a poorer part of the, the county. But they basically built um, a, a diversion for the river around a very expensive part of Berkshire where the yeah. people were all millionaires who didn't want their houses flooded. Yeah. And the water went around where they lived, so they were in, 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 in okay. no danger whatsoever. So you can reroute things. And it can be done what, relatively quickly. Yeah, Mike, and what is that apart from intelligent thinking? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. treading on people's feet who don't want to be tread on, and it's particularly difficult at this moment in time, uh, you know, in terms of doing that sort of, sort of thing. But you've got, you know, those hard decisions... I've got to be taken. There's no other route. You know, you're talking about, I'm talking about walls. That's not, that's, not necess, that's not the answer. I'm not giving that as the answer. You're talking about an engineering problem. Yes, that's part of the equation. Look, this is not a one-stick a one solution. A one, a, no. you know, a, 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 it's not. It's several. There's several it is, of course, yeah. Be one of them, the engineering and all the rest of it. The climate change thing is part of it, getting carbon neutral and going in that general direction without a question. That will, that will add to it. But... You know, education is, is another part of it, to understand the weather, to understand when you're at risk. We saw this, this flood that, that occurred in the last couple of days. We saw it, saw it on Tuesday. We put our warnings out on Tuesday morning, yeah. first thing, um, before anybody else, and in the right areas as well. We stretched it across to, uh, uh, I know the Met Office had it in, I think it was the east, east areas, sort of Lincolnshire Way yeah. and, and up towards Newcastle. Well, we stretched that across to the Pennines and then across yes. again to... To Manchester, North Wales. And, I mean, just on and, that, and for a, just on that practicality for a moment, Jim. What, what are your forecasts telling you about this weekend? Is it going to get worse or better? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's another rain band coming in. You probably pick that up through. Right, we've got a gap at the moment. This day shouldn't be too bad. Mm. Uh, this day, so things should settle down for 24 hours. That will help. Um, it'll take another six to eight hours for that rain to start to. Tomorrow, it's the middle of the day, really, and into the evening time that it will get to the prone areas. Um, I don't see it necessarily being as bad as... No, I don't see it as bad. That that front will move through and Sunday will be another good day. So this will be a transient front. The one mm. that got stuck, got stuck for a very good meteorological reason. We had opposing winds, if you like, and, and so this particular front went nowhere fast. It hit the cold air 
and then the cold air slowly but surely won out, which is why we're all in his cold air yeah. now, and that's basically what's, what's going on. So, no, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad, but, of course, soggy grounds... And but also, this is only the beginning the of this uh, rainy season, really, and we've got probably another four or five months of it to go. How about uh, this uh, yeah. as a suggestion? Plum Bob has tweeted me saying, all the flooding is because they stopped dredging the rivers. What do you make of that? Uh, potentially right. Why not? I mean, it's, it's, you know what? That's another one hundredth of the solution. You know, if they dredge, dredge lizards... Well, I mean, again, rivers. basic common sense, isn't it? You know, if you want to yeah, handle yeah. a bigger capacity well, of water, you make the space you know for it to go bigger. You know what? You, yeah, common sense. I, I've got to say to you, many people who make decisions don't have common sense. I know that. They really don't. I wouldn't and have that, a... You know what? If they did have common sense, I wouldn't have a radio show. There'd be nothing to complain yeah, about. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. And, and we... I'm not... I don't think we're arguing. I think we're mostly agreeing, are we not? But I think so. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just for me, for me, Jim. It's just a matter of nuance, and it's a matter of degree, and it's a matter of what you concentrate on the most. And I think for now, concentrating the most on actual practical solutions, engineering, and finding ways to channel the water and move it around away from the homes is yeah, the yeah. way forward. Rather than standing what? about waving your arms in the air yeah. saying, "Oh yeah, we're all going to, uh, you know, make yeah, make sure absolutely. that we save the planet Look, for our children." Yeah, one tree doesn't make a forest. Exactly. It's the start of a forest, and, and what I'm talking about there is is your one tree in terms of oh this 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 gentleman who's who's, who's uh, texted in a you know dredging rivers or doing this or do, you know there was all the little trees that you plant all of these little and that includes planting trees by yeah. the way but let's just say that all those little sticks in the in the, the sun all make a difference in the end and they all build up so it needs to be it's it's both at local level regional level I've got to say national level and obviously international level it, it's it contains a lot, and that's why it's such a, a difficult, difficult uh, problem that we've, we've, we've virtually given ourselves, yeah. and that's basically the way it's, it's, it's one massive own goal. Yes, I totally agree, Jim. We can finally agree on that, and we shall end it there in case we disagree okay. on something else. Thank you very much. Jim Dale, Senior Meteorologist at uh, the British Weather Service. Sensible man uh, with some sensible solutions, some of which I've given him. And I'm sure that we could come up with some more sensible plans. I've actually come up with a brilliant idea, uh, which I think you will agree uh, is a work and stroke of genius. There's going to be some climate uh, uh, rebellion, extinction rebellion people demonstrating in London. They've been given the, the green lights, basically, by the High Court to come back, and they're going to start apparently demonstrating again during the election uh, period around about the time of the end of November, beginning of December. Why don't we use them instead of sandbags, right, uh, up against uh, various flooded areas, and they could just lie there and stop the water from coming into your house. You know, hire about ten of them, put them outside the front door, and presumably uh, they would act like sandbags. As long as they wore that kind of, you know, Hessian-type clothing, I think it could work quite well. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online 
you'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Rain and floods in awesome in Britain. How odd. Cold weather caused by global warming. I give up. 3,000 coal-fired power stations in China and India with another 2,000 being built, six in Britain, and we're shutting them down to save the planet. It doesn't make a lot of sense, really, does it? This has got nothing to do with climate change and everything to do with poor planning, poor infrastructure and poor thinking from the local councils of this country. Let's talk to Marie, uh, who's up in West Yorkshire in Castleford. Hi, Marie. Hi, good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. for taking my call. Not at all. How, um, how's the weather where you are? Uh, well, oh, my word, yesterday was absolutely horrendous. Uh, it just never stopped, Mike, right. oh, the whole day. I've never seen rain so bad just recently over the past few weeks. Mm. Um, but I just called because we live um, just outside of Castleford, um, a, mi- a mile just outside okay. on a old pit colliery site that's been developed with thousands of houses, new houses on it. But this actual road that runs down into the town centre, um, it constantly floods. We live on the air called uh, um, navigation, oh, yeah. and the river constantly comes over this main road, which consequentially causes a 15-mile round trip. Right. So the kids can't get to school, you can't get to the doctors, you can't get them no shopping, all the buses have to be diverted. But the infuriating thing is that the manhole covers are never, ever removed and, and cleaned. Right. If you could see the surface water on this road and not one of the manhole um, you know the drains, yeah, the drains, the small yeah. drains. I know, yeah. And there's about a dozen of them running the whole way down this road, and they are never ever cleared by Leeds City Council. It's absolutely appalling, mate. Yeah, I bet. And, and they're going to build houses where this water all runs, are they? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. So if you just saw the um, the amount of, you know, houses that have been built in the local area, and I, I think before long, they're either going to have to b- build some sort of flyover or something. Right. Uh, but the amount of houses that they've built, and they just don't don't put no no more infrastructure in. No, you of know, not. And also, the and also the what, what, what will happen as well is where those houses are now going to be built, which used to be fields, right? where the water yeah. could be absorbed. Yeah. The water will now not be absorbed, and so even the drainage from those buildings will cause a flood. 
that's right. And also, I mean, just things like, like the storage works. You know, I, I said to my daughter the other day, it's the same storage works that was here for about 100 houses. Mm. And now there's thousands and thousands of houses. And it's like you say, that it was a predominantly just all fields and, you know, and, and, and farming areas. So they would have absorbed a lot of the water. Um, but as I say, it's, it's nothing to do with climate change, nothing no. to do with that. It's just years and years of neglect. And if you saw the debris that was left when the river's been over my tyres, you, you know, the, all the dumping, what's been done into the river, yeah. um, you just wouldn't believe what people put into the river. And then obviously when it washes over, all the debris is left all along yes. our roads. And, and all of those and, things contribute to the flooding problem. And this is, you're absolutely uh, right, Marie. You're spot on. Thank you so much for telling us the local news from up there in Yorkshire, because Marie's totally correct here. There is nothing being done which should be being done to make the course of the water run more smoothly, uh, to drain the river so that the water can carry uh, out to other parts of the of the of the country uh, in qu in quicker order, so that it doesn't stagnate, so it doesn't flood, so that it doesn't actually cause um, you know um, sort of you know backup, so that parts of the country don't get flooded. And imagine building on a place that's already getting flooded. I mean, what's wrong with these people? Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. 0344-499-1000 is the number. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio, at I-R-O-M-G. Uh, I'm reminded of the conversation I had with Adam uh, the other day because it's still doing the rounds on Twitter uh, about how he was going to buy himself a hybrid car because he thought he was going to save the planet, uh, which, of course, it's not going to do. Uh, we're going to have to talk to Professor Tim Bale uh, from uh, politics... Professor of Politics, I should say, at Queen Mary University in London. Sorry about that, Tim. Uh, just had a little uh, <laughs> a a word a hiccup there. Sorry. Um, how are you? Very good morning to you. I'm fine, thank you. Good. Fine, now, an interesting piece you've written in the Red, Times Red Box today about how many Londoners oh, yeah. support Extinction Rebellion's cause but not their tactics because we've heard this week that, one, they won their court case in the High Court in which it was proven that uh, mm. the police were unlawfully removing them. Uh, they've now pledged to come back again for the election for 12 more days of protest and demonstrations. And uh, I have to say, um, I understand that you've looked at this and, and you've gone through age ranges and ethnic ranges and all sorts of things, but, yeah. I mean, most yeah. of the people I know are pretty fed up to the back teeth of this. Well, I mean, certainly, you know, there is a very big distinction, as you say, between people thinking, well, you know, they've got a point to make uh, and uh, people agreeing with the way that they're making yeah. that point. Uh, and we focus, obviously, particularly on Londoners because they were the people who were particularly affected by, you know, what went on in October. And it is clear, you know, by sort of 60, I think it is, to 20 uh, that London has opposed the methods that Extinction Rebellion are using. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, particularly the disruption of traffic, obviously, um, was, it was a big one. We didn't and the disruption exactly of, of, the, uh, of the trains in Canning Town. They won't be going back there in a hurry, will they? <laughs> no, but to be fair to Extinction Rebellion, I, I don't think that was sort of a, a sanctioned one, was it? I mean, the problem for them is, of course, um, you know, they're not a kind of leadership um, 
directed organisation. So almost anybody can do yeah, anything. Yeah, but you know, see, I think, they're part of Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, I right. think this is one of the myths that abounds out there, though, because they're incredibly highly organised. They're very well funded. They are an organisation mm. as put as well put together as any organisation I've ever seen. And yet they kind of pretend to be this bohemian kind of oh, we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, we're just going to turn up, and loads of other people turn up as well. I don't believe a word of it, frankly. Yeah, but I mean, I think they are, you know, to use the jargon, sort of horizontally organised, if you like. I don't think it is quite as top-down, as hierarchical as we're, you know, we're used to thinking of when we think of organisations. And that's partly why, you know, they've got this strength in a way. You know, they've got so many people from so many different places doing so many different mm. things. that Yeah, um, but, that's, but, that's, so but it's kind of what I would call very well-organised you know, so that it looks disorganised. You have to be very well organised <laughs> yeah. to make it look that bad. Because they've all, don't forget, they've all, they were giving people lessons in how to be limp when the police come and carry you away. Because you don't know, you don't know how to do that unless somebody teaches you. You know, you don't know how to blockade a, pet, a, a petrol station or a, or a school or, a, uh, or an underground station without being kind of, you know, drilled in it. And that's kind of what they've been doing. Well, that's true, but I mean, I think that's quite easy to do nowadays with social media, isn't that? Particularly on YouTube, you can find out how to do almost anything you want. To do well. That's true. I Although I still can't, find out how to do that I still YouTube, can't work you know? out how to put those expandable tents back into the bag. You know, no matter how many times I look at that video, I still can't do it. But the thing is, right? Even Extinction Rebellion themselves, after the experience of Canning Town and other things after they left London the last time, said that they mm. themselves were questioning their motivation and their, and their tactics because mm. they thought they might have got it wrong because they thought that they were upsetting more Londoners than winning more Londoners over. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, doing anything on public transport does seem to me completely counterproductive. You know, if you're saying that the main thing is to try and get, you know, private cars off the road, private vehicles off the road, whatever you think of that, and to start, you know, doing things at tube stations or on buses or that kind of thing, it does seem completely nonsensical. Yeah, well, um, funnily enough, I mean, the, I think, day, you know, the, day that, uh, the day that they did Canning Town and completely brought the Jubilee Line to a standstill, which happens to be the way I go to work, um, in, in, oh, in, in, <laughs> ensured, ensured that I had to drive to work. So, you know, it was a yeah. completely idiotic thing to do. Yeah, it, it does seem it does seem strange to do. I mean, one of the things I think though is interesting in in that um, polling that we did is there there are big differences, aren't there, between you know um, people who are supportive of the Conservative Party, for example, and people who are supportive of the Liberal Democrats and 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 Labour on those kinds of issues. Sure. You know, it's clear that um, you know Conservative Party supporters and the, in the Brexit Party supporters are, are much less supportive even of the aims of Extinction Rebellion than um, than uh, Remainers and and Labour and, and yeah. Liberal voters. Which yeah. I, I, I find interesting. And yeah. also many more uh, sort of uh, what you might call pampered middle-class types are more likely to support them than actual working people who have to use the public transport because they have to, they can't afford any other way of uh, travelling around. Yeah, there is a bit of a distinction there as well, and there is a big distinction on age, of course, which is perhaps a little bit more predictable. But there was some very interesting polling actually coming out to, today or the next... Uh, sorry, the last few days from YouGov, which shows actually the environment is creeping up the agenda. You know, when you ask people about what the important issues are at the election, yeah. clearly, you know, the environment is up there. Now, whether that's Extinction Rebellion or whether that's, you know, flooding or whatever, um, you know, people are beginning to take notice of it. And maybe well, they are. some of and, the stuff and of they're course, doing is, is, is working. Well, I take that as a rather cynical ploy by many politicians who are simply trying to appeal to the young vote, you know, because they can see that younger people are very concerned about climate change because they've had it bashed into them uh, from the moment they went into school and were told that, you know, mm. the climate is very, very, very dangerous and we're all going to die a horrible death, which is what Extinction Rebellion's message is. And unfortunately, I think that the message itself is slightly 
misplaced because they're basically saying, and, and I mean, I won't have them on this show anymore because they just talk absolute nonsense. They talk about, you know, the world ending in 10 years' time if we don't do something drastic. They talk about ending our ability to fly in planes. They talk about ending our ability to drive cars. I mean, you know, down in Bristol yesterday, it was announced that the, 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 the head of the council there is going to ban diesel cars in Bristol from 2021, which is going to have a ridiculous effect, not only on people who try to have to work in vans and lorries and buses and all of that, but even the council's own um, vehicles will all have to be replaced. You know, it's kind of a, a collective madness that people are suffering from. Well, I mean, we need to do something, don't we? So do I we? suppose it's just trying to... Well, no, do well, we? Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into a debate with you on climate change. Because, well, I mean, you know, well, think, all right, well, let me, let me put this to you. One of Extinction Rebellion's supposed aims is to, is to get the government to tell the truth. Britain is the only country in the entire world which has signed up to be carbon-free by 2050 oh, or whatever. Yeah. No, there is I mean, no, I, there is I, no I, other country yeah. doing that. Yeah, I totally take your point that, you know, if people are taking, you know, the, the UK government to task, then that does seem in some ways a little unfair, given that the UK government is actually doing more than most people imagine. Though mm. whether it's enough, of course, according to Extinction Rebellion, is a is a, is another matter. I yes. mean, you know, there are clearly things that can be done. And, you know, people are talking, for example, about maybe electrifying London's buses. That might be one way to go. You know, and if you look at China, which, of course, you know, as you will no doubt point out, is is a bit of a bizarre thing to do because they're contributing massively to global warming but uh, you know their bus fleets for example are far more electrified mm. than, uh, than but also than, than i mean since are. we're going to be digging down into the whole area here i mean there's no actual evidence that electric vehicles are any more green than non-electric vehicles because they still have well, to be... Well, it depends how you generate the electricity. Well, no, it doesn't, but they right. still have to be built, right, in the same way that a regular car has to be built. Oh, so okay, there's all yeah, sorts of carbon yeah. emissions coming from the factory process. The mining of the of the lithium that has to fire up the battery is a very ungreen process and, in fact, quite cruel yeah. in many parts mm. of Africa where children are mm. sent down mines and risk their mm. lives for, mm. for, for the West. Then you've got the non-availability of any kind of recycling at all for an electric battery. You know, there's all manner of kind of um, reasons why electric cars are, are not any better than, than diesel yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the problem. You know, I'm just suggesting that some of these, you know, these things have to be thought about. If of we course, are no, to, listen, you know, Tim, you're a very yeah. reasonable man. I can tell that from talking to you. But there are people out there who will say all the things that you say, but say them with such gusto and such absolute kind of vehemence that, you know, if you don't believe this, you're somehow some kind of climate change denier uh, and you're absolutely going against the consensus, which is not scientific yeah. at all. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I can understand that. But, I mean, getting back to London, I think, you know, Extension Rebellion clearly has to find a way of, you know, of, you know getting the message across without actually alienating a lot of the people who yes. need to hear that message and well, quite how it does that. You know, well, you I've know. got a good idea for that. I raised it earlier on in the show. I want to get your blessing for it. I suggested what we should do with these Extension Rebellion people, get them to uh, nominate themselves. Uh, to appear as kind of human sandbags up in the north where there's a lot of flooding at the moment and they can lie down in front of people's houses to stop the water from getting in. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give that much endorsement. <laughs> You'll be surprised to hear. Uh, but shocking. It is an idea. It is an idea. Listen, we, we are living in a democracy. I think all ideas should be aired. You know, there should be no reason not to discuss <laughs> these matters. But, Tim, listen, uh, will you be uh, in support of them when they come back to demonstrate in uh, uh, the end of this month? Uh, well, I think I'm like a lot of people in London. Uh, you know, I, I approve of the aims, but I'm a little bit dubious about some of the uh, 
some of the methods. Fair enough. I think they're very well sat on the fence on. <laughs> Professor Tim Bale there from <laughs> the Professor of Politics at Queen Mary University, which for some reason I can't even say. So if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, right? The nights are drawing in. It starts to get dark in late afternoon. Uh, it's more difficult to spot people lurking about in the street. Uh, it turns out that at this time of the year, as winter sweeps in, uh, basically burglars are having a field day because they can burgle your house a lot easier, they can escape a lot easier, they can be not spotted a lot easier. Let's talk to Peter Blexley uh, and find out what we can do about that. Peter, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I mean, luckily, um, and I don't want to touch any wood while I'm saying this, I haven't been burgled that many times in my life, to be honest. Um, but for some people, depending on the area of, of, of Britain that they live in, um, it's a regular hazard, isn't it? And, of course, burglary is such an odious, invasive yes. and repulsive crime mm. that, that it scars people psychologically, sometimes for the rest of their days. Sure. And, and, and it's why I've always held burglars with such disdain, because what gives anybody the right to force their way into somebody else's home and steal what they have worked so hard to achieve? Exactly right. And the problem for a lot of people that I know who have had their houses burgled is that they then don't want to live there anymore and they decide, look, I'm sorry, I just have to sell the house. And no matter what uh, the, the, the circumstances are, no matter what the market is like, they'll just up and, up and leave, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it can psychologically scar people that deeply that they can't face setting foot in their home ever again. Not to mention, of course, the other thousands of people that unfortunately lose things of great value, be that monetary mm. or sentimental, of course. Yes, some things can't be replaced, can they? I mean, if they steal an old picture that you've got of you and your mother or something like that, you're never going to get it back. Or that wedding ring that has been in the family for yeah. generations, the engagement ring, mm. all those kind of things. And yet these filthy, revolting people make their way into our homes, stuff their pockets with cash, jewellery, yeah. anything else their thieving hands can, can lay upon, and, uh, and off they disappear. And, of course, as we know, <coughs> excuse me, um, the likelihood of the, them getting caught is a depressingly low one. Well, it is, and the research has been done on this particular piece today by the co-op, who have found that uh, over a third of UK adults have been victims of neighbourhood crime, but two-fifths of, uh, of them have had their homes broken into, but a fifth of them have chosen not to contact the police, which I find extraordinary. Well, now, here's a very, very important message, please. For anybody that is a victim of crime, you have to report it to the police. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get any kind of investigation or reaction, um, because with certain crimes, you won't. No. But it is so important. In order that we can have some trust in the crime figures, in order that we can paint an accurate picture of just how terrible this crime wave that we're all living mm. under is at the moment, and in order that the police can deploy their slim resources to try and thwart whatever is the current trend, you simply, no matter how minor the crime is, you've got to report it to the police. And even if you don't think the police are going to do much about it, and often all they'll do is give you a crime number for your insurance company, it, or at least it goes on their database as well. So, I mean, if there is a pattern of burglary, say, in that area, they could notch it down and possibly find the, the culprits who are maybe recidivists or people that are, are robbing... Because quite often burglars are robbing their own neighbourhood, aren't they? They are indeed. They tend not to travel very far from home, so many of them. But, of course, there will be, we hope, some analysis of the crime stats done at some point, yeah. be that locally, regionally or nationally. And if it's done locally, an, analy an analyst goes to a senior police officer and says, look, 
these are the latest vehicle crimes. These are the latest burglary crimes. They're all focused in this posi- in this situation. Then hopefully something can be done about it. Yeah, exactly right. And is there evidence, as far as you know, that, that burglary is up? Because we know that a lot of, of, of violent crime is up. Uh, knife crime, of course, we know about. Um, car crime, we understand, is, is up because uh, a lot of car thieves have worked out how to, you know, remotely open doors with, uh, with those kind of keyless locks and all that. But what about something like burglary? Is it up? Yeah, well, well actually, it tends to spike around this time of year because yeah. once the clocks go back, of course, it gets dark earlier and that gives more daytime hours to burglars to go around their filthy business. Yeah. So, and around notable events, although they've both passed, but recently, Halloween and Bonfire Night, mm. they both tend to see spikes in burglaries yeah. because people might be out, they might be out trick-or-treating, they might be at a bonfire party, all that kind of stuff. So just something to note for next year, people, please. Um, you've got to be extra vigilant around this time of year. But there is also a spike, generally speaking, of course, as we head towards Christmas. Because not only are these burglars revolting enough in wanting to take our jewellery, cash, and any other valuables they find, but around about Christmas, they'll want to break into your house and relieve you of all those hard-earned and paid-for gifts that you've got wrapped for your loved ones beneath the Christmas tree. I can't imagine anything worse than to come, you know, come home one night and find that somebody's taken all your Christmas presents. I mean, that must be awful. Well, I mean, it just gives you such a clear indication into the mindset of these people. It really, really does. So, come on, we please, as a collective, bearing in mind we have so few police on the streets these days, bearing in mind that they are so drastically overworked and underpaid, I'm afraid there falls a responsibility on us all to protect our loved ones and that which we've worked hard for. And that means, please... Get some CCTV on your home. It's nowhere near as expensive as it used to be mm. five or ten years ago. You can buy off-the-shelf systems, which if you have some degree of nous, you can install yourself. By the way, I don't, so I have to pay somebody. Yeah, there'd be, like, be no chance of me making that work. No, I can no, tell you that no, for now, for, for free. <laughs> you would be, would be, would be a marriage made in hell, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet, absolutely um, right. But does, uh, does the, the sort of existence of a camera just put some people off and they'll just walk to the next house? Yeah, yeah, but that's only part of it, right? What you also need to do is get a burglar alarm system. And, of course, you can buy those off the shelf now at some of the well-known and reputable DIY kind of places. If not, you can get a local security company who will be a one-stop shop for you, who will come in. They'll also, give you a, they'll also fit you a doorbell with a video capacity so you can see who's at your house when you're not there. You'll get a CCTV system, an alarm. And, of course, your doors and windows must be locked. Now, on doors, please let me give you a bit of advice here. Now, I don't just expect people to rush out and buy a new front door tomorrow, but if there comes a time in your life when you are going to replace your front door, please, please get one that does not have a letterbox. A letterbox... Is a, is a vulnerable point okay. through, through which burglars or other unpleasant people can exploit. They can see into your house, for example. They can put a retractable fishing rod through yeah. so that they can hook your car keys right. on the hook that might be inside the door. It's also a thing through which people put unpleasant things mm. like petrol, fireworks, right. dog mess, all kinds of manner of things. 
So get yourself a front door. Oh, and of course, the letterbox lets a bit of heat out, so there's a, an environmental gain to that. But as if well. you don't have a letterbox, how do you get your post? I mean, I don't get much post to be honest. But I mean, I've got. I live in a block of flats, so I've got a, an actual mailbox, which is quite handy. Um, yeah. But if you're in a house, how you, how do they leave letters for you? Yeah, for around for as little as fifteen pounds, maybe twenty pounds, or a bit more if you want to push the boat out. You can actually buy a post box, which you can then affix to the wall next to your front door. So the postie comes in and just pops your post in there. Please, 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 letterboxes are a vulnerability. Yes, I think that's very sensible advice. And as far as kind of um, everything else is concerned, um, window locks, are they are they worth having or are, are they kind of... I mean, I, I used to live in New York and people had bars on their windows, you know I mean? And, yeah. and when people say, oh, I wouldn't want that, actually, you don't... You get very used to it, you know? Yeah, and there are many places around the UK where you can travel, particularly in inner cities, and you will see iron-grilled yeah. doors attached to the, before people get to their actual front door and grills on windows and all of that. They're commonplace in some of the really luxurious and expensive parts of London, for yeah. example. Right. Um, so, look, do whatever you can to thwart these people. <clears throat> Excuse me. To make their criminal lives more difficult. Now, of course, if they look at your house, CCTV, alarm, no letterboxes, windows all look like they're secure, stout door frame in which the door is, is actually housed so it doesn't look like it will succumb to a couple of kicks from a size nine. Mm. So your house looks locked, looks alarmed, looks well protected. They're going to move to an easier target. And I know that sounds a bit kind of not very neighbourly, but you know what? We have an obligation to protect ourselves and our loved ones because these unscrupulous people just want to get their thieving hands on our stuff. They do. And are they, generally speaking, sort of um, people who are doing it just to flog the stuff? Um, are they um, drug addicts usually? I mean, is it, is it easy to categorise these people? Don't go getting me started on the whole drugs kind of issue because right. we'll be here all day. <laughs> of course, some thieving problematic drug users do burgle to fund their habit. Yes. Same as some will shoplift and all of that kind of stuff. But there are other criminals out there that burgle for a living. They are so often opportunists. So they will cruise the street, walk down the street, looking for that easy target. And when they see that easy target over the fence, round the back door, kicking the French doors, and away they go. Or if they see a window that's open, they will exploit that, of course. So we have to make life as difficult as we possibly can for all these thieving scumbags. Yes, quite right, too. Very well said, Peter. Thank you very much indeed. I knew there was a good reason to get you on. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.